When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Weekend Ball Podcast. My name is Alex Adams, live, not in Jakarta anymore. I'm, I'm back here at home in Ottawa, uh, I'm covering Team Canada at the FIBA World Cup. Uh, today I'm joined by someone that's known this program for, for a long time and, and, and has been writing about basketball in this country, I think longer than anyone else, and uh, Doug Smith of the Toronto Star. Thanks so much, Doug, for, for taking the time and doing this. My pleasure, Alex, always. Um, Doug, I just want to kind of before we, we get into it, just what was what's it been like for you personally to see this team now make the Olympics, now in the semifinals of a World Cup? What's it been like for you just to, uh, you know, following this program and writing about this program for so long? It's been a lot of a lot of very good men and women who tried to get to the program to where it is today. And they tried their best and it didn't work. I feel very happy for them. I I, I didn't. I thought it was always going to happen, but I didn't know when. And mm-hmm. there were, like as I said, there were a lot of people tried awful hard. Going back to Rick Trayer, uh, Peter Montopoli, Wayne Parrott, Glenn Runwald. There's been a ton of people who gave it their best shot, and it didn't work for one reason or another. Now it has. It's, it's kind of it's kind of very cool to see. But I, I, I as I did when the Raptors won a championship, I tend to think of the people who laid the foundation, who got it, the the, the steps to get it where it is today. And, and and like what 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 have, what do you think is different this in this case maybe than that's seemed seemingly worked uh, for Canada to make the Olympics than maybe years prior? Well, they got the talent to buy in, and that that's been the bottom line. They've always they always tried hard, but the the players wouldn't make the commitment, and this group has. And I you give all the credit in the world to Shay, Douglas Alexander, R.J. Barrett, Kelly Olynyk, and Dwight Powell have been mainstays forever. And Tommy Scrub, and, and even that guy like Corey Jopas, Joseph, who couldn't go to Manila or Jakarta, they put the time in and they they resolved to get the program to where it should be. And I think that's been the difference. I, there's always been there's always been a lot of talent, but the talent in Canada played for the national team when it was convenient for the talent, not when it's best for the country. And we're not seeing that anymore. How much? How much do you think of that as just a guy like Shea buying into to this program and, and committing, which, you know, he did in twenty twenty one when he said he'd he'd do the next uh, three summers and and he's done uh, done everything he can to, to get the team. To, <laughs> he sure uh, has. Yeah, he sure has. But yeah, it, it's Shea, but it's R.J. and it's Nikhil and it's uh, Dwight Powell and Kelly Olynyk. But I, I, I covered Kelly Olynyk at the twenty ten World Cup in, in Turkey. He didn't get off the bench. But he's an 18-year-old kid. He's been with the program ever since. Troy Powell, he got hurt one summer playing for Canada and almost cost him a year in his NBA, NBA career. Now, those kind of guys. Shane was, was the driver because he is now the team's best player and its leader and the people, the player that the people look to. But these other guys also bought in. And I think Nick Nurse in 2021 getting the commitment from guys like RJ, Shane, McKeel, Dylan Brooks, Lou Dort, Kelly and Dwight. That is, the foundation was laid back then, and sure, Shea is the best player and he's a recognizable name, but the other guys are also very responsible for where they are. 
Yeah, no, I mean, it's interesting. I, I, I talked to, to Dwight after the game and he almost didn't want to talk to me because he was just getting too emotional after they beat Spain, right? Like I just think about, you know, as you mentioned, how much he's put into this program. And um, with that, yeah, just... Dwight's an interesting case because there was a summer where he wanted to play for Canada and Rick Carlisle talked him out of it. Rick was, mm. Rick was coaching Dallas Mavericks and he came up to Toronto. Really? To watch Dwight work out. And basically said, you know, we prefer you not play this summer. Was that 2019? Uh, I'm not sure it was, 19, it was 17 or 19. I'm not sure when it was. Uh, I can't remember the year. But but you knew that Dwight's heart was in it. And this guy, you know, he's, a, he's a, Dwight's a, a very good NBA player, but he's a journeyman NBA player. His career could end at any minute. And every summer that they've asked him, save one, he's shown up. And it takes a lot. I remember him telling me in Victoria that, the thing for him was he didn't want to listen to Doncic and, and J.J. Barea and the guys on his team who played for the national team. He, he didn't want to talk, hear them talk smack anymore. And he thought it was the best way for his game to evolve in the summer was playing against top-notch caliber competition. And he wanted to get Canada in the conversation. And I, I'm proud and I'm very happy he did. Yeah, and, and with that, how do you think guys can maybe improve like playing – FIBA basketball, obviously it's a bit different than the NBA, but um, as I, I believe Shea said to me, it's still basketball. Um, just <laughs> well, how, how can you, how can they improve? Like what, how does it help them? What do you think maybe this changes for some guys' careers or, or just outlook going into next year, like a Shea and Nikhil and RJ um, and the rest? Well, it's basketball slash rugby. And it's also, I think what they're learning is what they can get away with. And I don't think a lot of them knew exactly how far they could push the boundary. I think Dylan Brooks is a perfect example of that. In, in two games, and this morning uh, against uh, Slovenia was a great example. So was Spain. He was on the verge of going off the rails mm-hmm. because he was trying to push it a little bit too far. Today he got thrown out. Spain, he didn't, and he had the best fourth quarter maybe of his career. So I think you learn not, not so much how each particular game is going to be called, what you can try to get away with and mm-hmm. maybe you don't try as much the next time okay yeah and, and with brooks what, what do you think has made him so effective just he's been shooting the lights out and um, obviously you said he's been on the line but when he's been playing and not in foul trouble or, or getting kicked out of games he's been phenomenal and taking much better shot selection just what has he well, brought to this team and and everything yeah I think I think Dylan's actually he probably bought into a role as well as anybody on the team. I think we saw Memphis in the NBA had a tendency to shoot the ball too much, and maybe it be had to do with his teammates. But here, I think he looks around and sees who his teammates are. Well, there's Shea Gillis Alexander. Oh, there's Nico Walker Alexander. There's Alexander Walker. There's there's Kelly Link. There's Lou Dort. I don't have to take all these shots. And it's you know it's a short season that he doesn't he's not bored. I think he might get bored in the NBA. He's going to try to juice up some crazy game in February on Tuesday night. That doesn't happen here. I, I'm I'm hugely impressed with the way he's held his composure when you thought he could lose it. And the Spain game was a perfect example. I think Shane's injection was a little bit quick and a little bit feebish, like feeble refereeing-ish. Yeah. But I think the way he's handled himself overall has been outstanding. And you were there. You saw it. We listened to it here. The way he's become a rather a, a leader on the team, a vocal leader, like calming guys down and walking them through situations. No one saw that coming. No. But he's a, you know, he's a little bit older. He's a little bit wiser. 
He's been around. I think he really likes Jordy Fernandez. And I think I think he's he's, a, he's very morphing into one of the leaders of this team, the next generation of Kelly and Dwight, if you will. Yeah, no, and he he showed post game that he's a fighter. Clearly, with those boxing gloves <laughs> as well. Um, you, you mentioned Jordy. Just what have you made of the job he's done going into a pretty tough position? And you know, within a month and a couple of days, he's got this team to the Olympics, and and in his first uh, you know time as head coach. I think I think I think outwardly, I think what I like most is he's he's outwardly calm. And I know as a coach, he's burning inside and he wants to scream and yell. He wants to run up and down the sidelines and smack officials in the head like they all do. But he, he presents this uh, sort of calm air, uh, aura about him that I think is very important in being basketball. The players react to that. They don't see overexcitable. They don't see, they don't get overly emotional because the coach isn't. And, you know, tactically, I think, I think going small this morning against Salido is a great idea. I think the Brazil game, he might have got caught up in didn't have the greatest the second halves of the Brazil game, I don't think. Yeah. Maybe he goes to ED a little bit. But the Spain game, he got the right guys on the floor at the right time. I think he's managed foul trouble really well. I don't I don't know if what two guys have fouled out the entire tournament, maybe. And um, I think that's yeah. that that's the way you manage players with five personal fouls in a forty minute game is very important. And he's kept his key guys around to play the end of the close game. And they played a bunch of them. So I, I mean I, I can't believe he's not an NBA head coach today. And I'm mm. sure he will be one year from now. Um with that, obviously you, you wrote about Nick Nurse uh recently. I think you had an interview with him. Yeah. Um, and obviously just maybe I, I'm I'm letting you uh, giving you the floor to plug your own piece, but just talk about maybe the transition <laughs> from Nick Nurse to, to Jordy and, and just what kind of legacy Nurse has with this program who really brought it to, to the stage in a lot of ways, even though he wasn't the one to, to finish the job. I think Nick said, his legacy, I think he's had two-pronged legacy. He was a guy who demanded, who asked for and got commitment. After Victoria, they had this sort of summit in Vegas in the summer league and decided, okay, look, who's in, who's out? And he was the driver behind that. But we need three years. We don't need you guys to say, yeah, we'll play if we can. Yeah, we'll play next summer. We need you to buy in 21 through 24. And that was his idea. And I think the other legacy is you see them play the way they played for him since 2019. A lot of dribble handoff stuff, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of weave, a lot of three-man weave stuff, a lot of drive and kick stuff. And I think what he did, and he and he was not instrumental, but he was the guy who pushed Jordy to get the jobs, knowing that Jordy would listen to Nate Mitchell, Nate Bjorken, mm-hmm. and not try to not try to change the system too much. I think the two Nates have been uh, been a huge part of this because. There's consistency in the in the style of play that Nick put in. That Jordy was smart enough not to change, and Nick was smart enough to insist on throughout the program. And mm-hmm. I think the two Nates deserve a lot of credit for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I wanna I wanna ask you a question that um, there's probably no good answer for this, and I I feel I know what your answer will be, but I, I, I'm uh, good at not good at no good answer questions. Go ahead. Uh, okay, well then uh, this is right up your alley. Uh, is is Shea better than Steve Nash was for Canada, or or like how do you compare the two? I obviously was two years old when Nash was doing his thing for Canada, so I uh, I can't answer this question. But what what do you make of that kind of the comparison between the two? Two years old, you're killing yeah. me, man. You're killing me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, obviously Shea is far more athletic and has uh, probably a, a skill set that's a little bit expanded from Nash's. 
Nash tend to let a team to the quarterfinals the Olympics. It was like, it wasn't me, you, him, and two other guys, but it wasn't far off that. Mm-hmm. He didn't have a lot of NBA players. I think yeah, Tom McCullough was the only other NBA player on that team. Mike Meeks. Mike Meeks was probably the second best player for Canada in that tournament. And he was just a, a small forward in German league. And he played great because he played with Steve Mad. Steve's leadership abilities, I think, surpass Shays right now. But Shays like a 24-year-old kid. He's going to grow into that. Shays uh, obviously more athletic. I think what Steve did in Sydney is probably better than what Jay has done in these five games. Mm. But Jay's got two more games to write down finish off the chapter and Steve didn't get the quarterfinal done against France. Yeah. And and, and with the, with that, just you've you followed the program for so long. Like what do you think just we can go back to what happens if maybe they win this tournament, but what what does it mean for this program just to to make the Olympics and how much will this maybe potentially change basketball in this country and, and just the program itself? Well, I think it's huge because it's in, in the reason, and I'm trying to develop this story on the weekend, but how they can leverage this. Like mm. Now they're in the Olympics. They have a year to go to get this set up. And I think uh, they can now schedule exhibition games. They can get countries to come here to play against them, to sell some tickets to let fans see the team. The players don't have to be stressed about it. The players know they're going. Um, the players will be, there will be players lining up to play for this team. It's mm. going to be a very interesting winter in that regard. But they, they now they know they're going. And I think the Canada basketball, the, the big thing is that how do we leverage this? How do we get ourselves out of debt? How do we become a force in the amateur or Olympic sports world in Canada? And having that year run up is, is monstrous. It's like, that's why I said the loss of Mexico City set the, I said set this program back a decade. Mm. Well, it's only been eight years, but eight years is pretty close to a decade. Yeah. And now they got a chat, they got a year chance to really build on what they've done. Yeah, no, I mean it's interesting. I, I talked to Mike Bartlett, the CEO. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm sure he I mean, I, I won't say, but he, he definitely has stuff coming up on oh, yeah. the premise that uh when I talked to him, that was right before the Spain game. Um, so uh, I'm pretty sure he's working pretty hard right now wherever he is in Manila. So um just just with that, let's go to this tournament and and um, how, how do you like their chances against maybe a team like Serbia and even just what would it mean to maybe win this tournament and beat the U.S. and, and just all of it in this tournament so far? Well, I don't think the U.S. Uh, beating the U.S. wouldn't quite be a miracle on ice, 80 American hockey, but it'd be awful close. Mm. But before that, Serbia is no slouch. It's like they're really, really good. Yeah. And, you know, Bogdanovic from Atlanta shooting the crap out of the ball. Uh, the big kid, Miltovic, I think his name is, is like, he's a seven footer who's like five times better than Mike Toby. So Serbia's not, like, Serbia's not bad at all. No. And they don't, they don't have the guy. If they had the guy, then they're five, they can't have no chance. But there just seems to be something about this Canadian team that when it, when it comes down to it, when it comes down to nut crunching time, they get it done. Now, you don't come down from 12 after three quarters against Spain or win. This does not happen. So yeah. I, I think there's some there's some res- resolve with this Canadian team is very impressive. I think they can get Serbia. I don't know when they can get the states. It's going to be a it'll be an NBA game, and they got a lot of good NBA players. But I'm not sure the state uh, the, the states can beat Germany. 
I mm. think that's going to be epic. I think that's going to be a great, great game. And I wouldn't, if I'm a betting man, and I used to be, <laughs> I wouldn't put money on the Americans winning that one. Really? At least. Okay. I mean, yeah, I'm... I think. Mm-hmm. Well, you saw them. Germany's really good. They're, they're really good. They're really, really good. They're, they're... And Dennis Schroeder shot it like me this morning. They still beat a very good team in Latvia. And he's not going to do that again. And the two, the two Wagners, Daniel Tyson's good. I, I'm telling you, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised in the least if Germany didn't beat the States. Yeah, I, it, would, would you rather play Germany or the U.S. if you're Canada? Because I thought they looked like Germany was so good in those two pre or friendlies against Canada. I think you'd like to play Germany because you've seen them and mm. you've got an idea what they're going to do, and your scouting could be a little bit more thorough and more in-depth because you have some sense of what they're going to do. No, they, they scouted the Americans, I'm sure, a hundred times. And I know they had, they had all kinds of guys out there watching other teams play. Uh, Scott Morrison, who coaches the uh, Utah G League team, has been around and scouting other teams in the tournament. They know what's going on, but I think you want to play the team that you've seen because you're a little bit more familiar with what they do. Mm-hmm. Matchups, I think they match up well with both. I think, I think the matchups of the three teams and Serbia too are very even. I, I, there is no, um, there's no configuration in the semifinals of the bronze medal game that was surprising. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, which is great. Which is great. Which is great. Great. Great for basketball. Great for the sport. And and with that, just going into these games, what player that isn't maybe the you know an SGA or or um, RJ or maybe Brooks that you think needs to really step up for Canada if they are to to make the finals or even win the whole thing? I mean, I mean, Kelly Williams got to make some more shots. He's made a bunch of threes, but I think he's got to make a little bit more. I think you saw Nikhil Walker Alexander today had a big game. And I think he needs to keep that up. But I think you're at the point where basically Canada's going to play eight guys. Hmm. And it's going to have to be like the usual suspects got to be way better. I think RJ's got to have a big game again. But I, I don't think you're going to – I'm not going to go to the Kyle Alexanders, Mel Edgems. Um, we're not going to go that deep. It's going to be – you're playing seven, eight guys now because you're in two two game seven. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, So, Doug, before I let you go, because I really appreciate your time and I know uh, you're having uh, fun later today, Um, just uh, – <laughs> Just um, right now, what the hell? yeah. Well, that too, uh, and I appreciate that. Um, what's your prediction? I've asked everyone on the show, you know, at every stage of the tournament, what their prediction is. So, Doug, it's a bit easier for you because there's no first, second round. Who do they play? It's make win the semis, win the finals, lose, lose, or get a bronze. So, just in the end, if you had to, if you were a betting man still, what would you wager on uh, Canada? Uh, ending up in uh, this tournament. I call my guy Bobby the one armed bookie from Niagara Falls, New York. And I would say, give me Canada over Serbia and give me Canada over Germany. Whoa. Whoa. There you go. Wow. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. I, I feel I, I, I don't just... call me on something night and say, hey, no, what no, the hell I... are you talking about? But when Dennis Schroeder, you know, makes a step back three with a minute left to, to ice the game for Germany and then you have to see him in like two weeks. Um, I'll uh, I'll definitely not uh, you know call you out on that, but uh, I, I would feel really I would feel really good for Gordy Herbert too, but who was a yeah. really really good guy and yeah, coached yeah. the Raptors for a year, played for Canada, coached Canada. Uh, I'm a big Gordy Herbert fan. I I would like to see him do well, but I'm picking that one 
uh, Canada, Germany with my brain, not my heart. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Doug. I really, really appreciate you uh, taking the time today. And um, uh, anything you want to plug for, for uh, you know, anything at the Toronto Star that you want to leave off with? Nah, I'm going to okay. find me or they don't. Yeah, perfect. Well, thanks so much, Doug. I really appreciate this. And I'll definitely be uh, reading all your stuff at the Toronto Star as Canada you're, Doug already said it will will make the finals and beat Germany. So uh, maybe you don't even need to read or listen to this podcast or anything. But thanks so much, Doug. I really appreciate it. All right. All right, Alex. Thanks very much for having me. I appreciate that too.